0: truth news network in 1970 ray davies wrote girls will be boys and boys will be girls it's a mixed up muddled up shook up world now i ask you who would have ever thought of ray davies as a prophet well that's a discussion worth having a beer over so pardon the expression some straight talk you're in luck. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And straight talk is what we do. And your latter-day prophet is Dan Newman.
1: Nine o'clock in the morning here? Nah. little early for a beer, but it's not too early to dig into the meat of things and have some conversations. And I'm glad you joined us here today at TNN Live. And we're going to dig in. we've got some joblessness numbers for you. whole lot more today. Just sit tight with the carpenters for my buddy, James Posey.
2: Talking to myself and feeling old. Sometimes I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down What I've got they used to call the blues Nothing is really
3: wrong
2: Feeling like I don't belong Walking around some kind of lonely clown Rainy days and Mondays always get me down Funny but it seems I always wind up here with you Nice to know somebody loves me Funny but it seems that it's the only thing to do Run and find the one who loves me, the one who loves me. What I feel is come and gone before No need to talk it out oh. We know what it's all about Hanging around Nothing to do but cry Rainy days, and Mondays, always me down Funny but it seems that it's the only thing to do do. Run and find the one who loves me Bye.
1: a little bit different. I'm one of those guys that I actually like the rain. I like to go out in the rain. Tell you a funny story. My first Harley I bought was back in 1998, the end of that year. I'd been a Honda guy before that. But when it was time to go get an oil change, I bought it from a dealer 70 miles from where I live. And I wanted the dealer to do the service, the oil changes when when it came up time. My staff would laugh at me because I would wait until it began to rain and jump on that bike and ride that 70 miles one way to get my oil change. I just like the rain. I like sleeping with the rain sounds in the background. As a matter of fact, I do that every night and have for many years. I like the rain. But a lot of people, they just don't feel that way. It's depressing. I mean, rainy days and Mondays. The Carpenters probably made a million or two doing that song back in the 70s. I hope your week has been a good one. If it hasn't, just rest. Only got one day and you're in the weekend. Technically, if you live in Washington, D.C., up there, I mean, noontime, pretty much everything shuts down politically. All the members of Congress head to the airports to get on those jets and go home for the weekend, and it kind of just shuts down. You and I? We got a work day ahead of us, don't we? As I told you, we've got job numbers. The U.S. economy, we are told this morning, added a tad above quarter of a million jobs in April, 253,000. The unemployment rate actually fell to 3.4%. Now, the experts said forecast employers would grow payrolls by 178,000, so they missed it. They missed it on the good side to miss it. There were more jobs than uh, they projected there would be. That's a downturn from their preliminary March estimate of 236,000. And the unemployment rate was supposed to tick up to 3.6%, and it actually went down a tenth of a point. Now, let me just tell you this. That all sounds good, and there's a reason why it sounds good everybody that manipulates these numbers are part of our federal government. They're bureaucrats, appointed bureaucrats, but they're part of our government. Now, what does your government want you to think about economic conditions in the United States? Every time these numbers come out, they're going to be framed in a way that looks as positive as possible. Now, before you start screaming about those evil politicians, let me just say this, it's probably a good thing that they give us the good side of stuff and maybe just diminish their discussions about the bad sides. You know why? We have so much bad going on in our life. You can't even walk down a street in a major city today. You certainly can't be out after dark. You don't want to go anywhere by yourself, especially if you're a woman. We live in a world now that is starkly different from what it was 10, 15 years ago. I remember all, all the times in my life. I loved to go to Los Angeles. I loved to go to San Francisco. I still love the Big Apple, my favorite city in the United States other than mine, and I love to go there. It wasn't anything like it is now. I remember walking Times Square, Just in the middle of the day sometimes, sometimes after dark, and just reveling the fact that this big city that had once been a lawless city, almost kind of like it is now, Rudy Giuliani was elected mayor and he cleaned the city up. So by the time I was this particular day walking in Times Square in the evening with all the lights, the billboards all lighted up, it just felt wonderful. Some of my favorite places to eat are there. But the Big Apple is nothing like the Big Apple used to be. And it's that way across the nation. So when you get a glimmer of good news, it's always good to grab a hold of it and just kind of put it in your pocket and keep it in your mind as long as you possibly can. Talking about economics, let me just just fill you in on something. It looks like this year after we get through the end of it, might just be remembered as the year that marked the beginning of a brand new U.S., maybe even worldwide, financial crisis. When that Silicon Valley Bank and Signature, when they collapsed back in March, the optimists, they told us this was an idiosyncrasy. It was driven by the bank's big holdings of startup deposits, after all, Silicon Valley they have a lot of startups out there in the tech industry. But right after that, Credit Suisse fell. And Americans shrugged that off. Why? It's a foreign bank. It did not affect us directly, right? With the bailout buyout of First Republic by J.P. Morgan over the weekend last weekend, the prospect of a very general banking crisis is now being taken more seriously. And then earlier this week, there were sell-offs in a bunch of different banks, and their stocks, West, its value tanked 42%. Western Alliance plunged 27%. Metropolitan Bank fell 20%. Comerica and Zion Bank Carp followed the pack. Both were down about 10%. And the KBW Regional Banking Index, that's where they analyze all of the regional banks and their stability based upon their liquidity and their stock, yada, yada, yada. It tracks smaller regional banks. That number fell 7%. The markets are finally waking up to the fact that a large portion of the banking system is potentially absolutely insolvent. As a matter of fact, about half of it, by some measures, the banking system is insolvent because of reckless central bank policy. You remember the last big financial crisis we had back in 2008, 2009? Barack Obama, Joe Biden, they were just taking office. Central banks engaged in wild monetary experiments that included, you remember this term, quantitative easing, QE? That drove interest rates down to record lows. Now, that's a good sign, right? It's debatable whether these experiments had much of an impact on our growth, but they certainly led to some extreme overpricing in asset markets. Quantitative easing juiced almost every financial market, from the stock market to the housing market to the market for used luxury watches. And with the wave of bank failures, these markets will now likely experience heavy losses. So the bank failures themselves not only drove up the price for risky assets like those I just mentioned, but also the price on riskless assets. Investors typically, they look for and they find certain assets like government bonds and they feel comfortable they're relatively lacking in risk. Governments print money after all, so they can always pay back their loans. They just print some more money and give it to you to pay their interest debt. Well, this means that banks feel comfortable holding big amounts of these riskless assets. And the bank regulators, they're happy to let them do it. But the quantitative easing policies have turned these riskless assets into risky assets. How? Driving interest rates on government bonds down, and down a bunch, the central banks have made these bonds sensitive to increases in interest rates. So now central banks are raising their rates to try to stamp out inflation. The price of these assets have fallen and are falling off a cliff. We haven't seen it yet. Just wait. So with that happening and the fear that comes with that, losses have spooked depositors who are now heading for the exit. Data shows in the past few weeks we've seen the biggest run on deposits since the beginning of the Great Depression. Nobody in the news is covering it. They're not giving us numbers. You know why? They don't want it to get any worse. So far, this has mainly impacted the little ones, the smaller regional banks. Those holding deposits at these banks that are larger than the FDIC limit of 250000 are scared that the bank's going to collapse and that they're going to lose their money. So when they take the cash and run, the bank doesn't have assets. So guess what? They collapse. The recent use of bailouts and assisted buyouts, it may become increasingly difficult as more banks come under pressure. The only solution then, guarantee all deposits in the banking system. That is scary, because who would guarantee it? Well, it would be you and me, American taxpayers, and we don't have a vote. Just like Joe Biden at Silicon Valley Bank, there were a bunch of depositors there that had more than that $250,000 that is the limit that the FDIC will insure deposits, and Joe Biden on Friday said, oh, no, no, we're not going to cover the losses for anybody that's above the FDIC amount. And then on Sunday during the weekend, he said, we're going to pay for them. And they did. Doing this would be tantamount to the government giving a blanket guarantee to all holdings of capital. With such a free insurance policy in place, Investors could take as much risk as their investment they saw fit. After all, if the investments go bad, the government's going to pick up the tab. Economists call this problem moral hazard. Why do they have to come up with fancy names for everything? <laughs> Why can't they just tell us? It's dangerous. Yet even then, the damage to the economy has likely already happened. Credit standards are now tightening rapidly, meaning that lending to the real economy is soon going to cease. Probably it'll stop. Businesses are going to pull back on investment and people will stop buying houses. At this point, unemployment should start to creep up as layoffs start in the construction sector. A recession should follow right after that, likely accompanied this time by a full-blown crisis. The long-term legacy of this situation could be a partial socialization of the banking system. This is scary. This is really scary. After the last financial crisis, certain central banks around the world engaged in an unprecedented monetary experiment The impact of that experiment on the real economy was uncertain at best, and past a certain point, the central banks appeared to be doing that quantitative easing just to demonstrate that they could do it. But these policies came with cost, and we're now seeing those chickens coming home to roost. Just don't expect mea culpas anytime soon from the people in charge. And you know what happens? You and I pay the price. We taxpayers are always the ones that pay the price. And we're going to do it again. What's it going to be? Got to be honest with you. I don't have any idea. I really don't know. I think we're going to be okay. I really do. But I don't know that, and I don't think any economist. I mean, Larry Kudlow. He was in a couple of different administrations, all the way back to the Reagan administration. Now he's on Fox Business. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him when it comes when he talks about things economic, and he's got his own opinion. And I'm going to tell you this: his opinion is far more optimistic than is mine. Now, he's an expert, I'm not. I'm just a consumer out on the street, like most of you, doing our best, I'm doing my best, to just make everything okay and work out. Working hard, just like you. We're hoping and praying that everything's okay. Is it gonna be okay? That, my friends, is a different story. There are too many moving parts now. Normally, in normal circumstances, you can get a fix, you can get an idea, you can smell something going bad and you can smell something getting better. But in this case, there are so many moving parts that are contributing into this debacle. I think it's anybody's guess as what's gonna happen. I just pray that all of you and me that we stop guessing, even if we can't stop guessing, and we just land on one, that whatever we guess is going to be the right thing. None of us deserve any horrors in this horror show because you and I didn't exact any of it. Our government did. And I don't know about you, but I didn't pull the Joe Biden lever, and I'm pointing to anybody else that did And saying you need to think through coming up in this 2024 election. You need to think seriously before you do it again. Doesn't matter what he says. All that matters for him and any elected politician is what they do. Nobody credibly can say that Joe Biden has not ripped this nation all the way down to our shoes And every day we're told, hey, look at what we've done. Look at the good that we've done. Look at what we're going to do. And I want you to give me a chance for another four years to do the same things, but make it better. Better than those MAGA extremists left for us when we took office. Right?
0: When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but.
3: Shouldn't there be more back and forth?
4: You missed the drama, right?
3: Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. (laughs) It's a
5: puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly
6: protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car
4: without all the drama. Cars.com,
6: all drive, no drama.
0: in a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: Our buddy Steve Baker was here a couple of days ago. He had a great show. He was with us for the entire hour. And he was headed over into East Texas to be part of a documentary that is being filmed. I don't guess you say film anymore. Nobody uses film anymore. It's... It's uh, actually digital, but anyway, I got a call from him last night and said, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. I got a call to go back to D.C." He did not tell me to tell you this. What I'm about to tell you, so I'm going to feel like I've got permission, and I'm going to tell you what's going on. He got called back to D.C. for this. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. You remember when he he told us told everybody that. He was going to give Tucker Carlson then at Fox News exclusive access to 41,000 hours of video that were shot on January 6th. And Tucker, his people put some of it together, but something happened. We still don't know what it was. But there was only one real show in which Tucker concentrated on some of that video. And then it just went away. Subsequent to that, the speaker has now decided to let hand-picked uh, media outlets come to the Capitol and they have a very sophisticated video operation. They have three complete independent setups, machinery, editing stations, etc. in the Capitol. Media people will be able to, by appointment, come there and examine this video. Steve was invited to do just that next week. And so he's going to be in the Capitol in an editing booth looking at and pulling out video from January 6th. Now he can take it with him, but only as each part of what he wants to take is approved by, I assume, House Speaker McCarthy or somebody that works for McCarthy. So he couldn't miss this, Steve Baker. We're going to be on the receiving end of some of that, so I'll keep you posted on Access, but that's where Steve is. He will, by the way, be on the show live with us Tuesday. Now, I waited to get to this part of the show because I've got some news to tell you about next week. I am going out of the country, a business trip this weekend, and I will be overseas all next week. The show will go on just as it goes on. But where I'm going to be, I need to delay the live show one hour. So instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week, the show airing at its normal time live, 9 a.m. Central, 10 East Coast, 7 West Coast, it will be one hour later, 10 a.m. Central. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time and nine a.m. on the West Coast is that right? If it's ten here, no, it'll be eight a.m. in California. Again, TNN Live will be every day, just like it normally is. But we'll be broadcasting live from overseas. And I'm trying to decide if I want to tell you where I'm going. I will tell you this: it's not a luxury vacation at all. <laughs> and. I may I may I will before the end of the show today I'll tell you where I'm going and you'll kind of be surprised I bet you. We listen, we got a big thing happening next. Week Title 42 ends next Thursday. I don't think anybody understands and realizes what this is going to mean to us. Literally our southern border is basically going to be open. There's no way our border patrol Agents are going to be able to process the volume of people that are coming over at an any one time. And that little over a thousand troop uh, group, whatever you call it, that Joe Biden sent from our military down there to assist, none of those people are trained for, nor will they be involved in the actual process of protecting the southern border. They're just going to be there to try to help out if something happens. So, We've got the same people on the front lines, and what we're already seeing is the numbers coming across every day are staggering, and Title 42 is still in place for six more days. It's going to be a deluge. Already, listen to this, in El Paso, migrants that have been just released by the Biden administration In El Paso, they built, in some cases, makeshift structures that span several downtown blocks and alleyways around the Sacred Heart Church in downtown El Paso. And they're looking for shade. Why? It's it's summertime in El Paso. Afternoon temperatures, 100 degrees. Migrants were seen unable to bathe for several days, looking for relief from the heat on the city's sidewalks and in businesses' entryways. So they're not all from Mexico. They're not all from Central America. Some are from Venezuela, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Haiti. They lay on the sidewalks of the city for three blocks surrounding that church. Some of the migrants talked to said they'd been living on the streets for anywhere between a day and nine days after they were released from Border Patrol custody. I saw some video of what it looks like. It's crudely fashioned shade structures. They consist of American Red Cross blankets, bed sheets, cardboard in front of the church, and for several blocks in the vicinity. Counted more than 1,000 migrants camped out downtown El Paso. Many more roam farther from the area, visiting downtown restaurants, And businesses. This whole thing is reminiscent of the September 2021 Haitian migrant crisis over in Del Rio. Remember that one? 20,000, mostly Haitians, crossed the Rio Grande and they erected crudely built shelters right on the banks of the river. One Dominican Republic migrant in downtown El Paso said he and most of the others camped out on the street. They have no money to pay for housing. No money to pay for travel away from the city. Border patrol agents assigned to the El Paso sector, they stopped more than 41,000 migrants just in El Paso in April, making the sector the busiest crossing point along the southwest border. The April number, it's up from 39,512 taken into custody a month before. The city's had a surge in migrant crossings in recent weeks as this deadline For the expiration of Title 42 gets closer and closer. In a joint press conference with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the author, the creator of this Biden crossing problem at the southern border, he issued a statement about conditions at the border. He told reporters the smugglers propaganda is false. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. That video contradicts the Secretary's border assessment, shows the scale of the routine DHS practice of catch and release for a significant number of migrants along the southwest border. So is this deadline for the sunset of the emergency COVID-19 expulsion order, Title 42. As it gets closer, another situation is playing out out in a bunch of different border cities, like Brownsville, Texas. There, released migrants are also seeking food and shelter in the downtown area. In El Paso, a migrant situational awareness dashboard that's operated by the city reports Border Patrol officials released nearly 3,100 migrants during the past week. 3,100 more. Just in El Paso. And we haven't gotten to Title 42 yet. So let me ask you this. You hear Alejandro Mayorkas, he's the boss, he's the expert, and he's telling us, sending a message to the uh, Mexican cartels, he said, that don't believe what you're hearing, our border is not open. Kirsten Cinema, former senator, Arizona, she weighed in on that herself.
5: So obviously the border is not secure. Anyone with eyes can see that. And anyone who lives in a border state like I do, born and raised in Arizona, actually takes offense at comments like that because they're just factually not true. The reality is, is that border communities in my state are suffering already, and that's before the end of Title 42. It is not secure. It is not safe.
7: The comment that elicited this much scorn, quite frankly, from Cinema is KJP claiming that illegal immigration has gone down by more than 90, 90 percent under Biden. And that's why her line of anyone with eyes can see that's not the case is so apt because, Stuart, You see the video. Does that look like a drop? 90% looks like the exact opposite.
5: It does indeed. That that video from Griff Jenkins a moment ago, long, long lines of people just marching through. That's extraordinary.
1: I guess if you say it over and over again, you know, the border's secure, the border's secure. It's not wide open. It's not wide open. uh, You're going to believe it. Or that's what kids used to say. You know, you just repeat it over and over and over again. There There is no bad guy. There is no bad guy. There is no bad guy. Okay, I convince myself there is no bad guy. There's no booger man. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to. Maybe Alejandro Mayorkas is the boogeyman. I don't know. I just don't know. Do you realize that we're we're not in a budget crisis right now? We're not, but we're in a spending crisis. We've been in for. Two and a half years, maybe even longer than that with the COVID couple of years of the pandemic excess spending that was through the roof. You factor all that in, we've just blown through $10 trillion like nothing. And this administration is continuing to do it. And so every couple of days, somebody in D.C. kind of finds a little hidden secret about spending going on. And you know every piece of legislation now, especially those that don't go through that regular order thing. Thank God Republicans have control of the House now where they are demanding in everything piece of legislation that's pending. It's assigned out through regular order. It goes to committees. It's debated. Witnesses are there. Amendments are proposed in committees. They're voted on if they pass. Only then do they go back to the House Speaker to determine if and when they go to the floor for the full consideration of the House. Nancy Pelosi never did that. That didn't happen while she was Speaker. Nobody saw any piece of legislation until just hours before it went to the full House to be voted on. And a result of that, (laughs) we're up to our eyeballs in debt. So let me tell you one of those little things that just peekabooed yesterday. Top members of Congress, they're requesting earmarks. Earmarks. Those are little uh, bonuses. What we say in Louisiana, "lanyap." things you get that you don't pay for. In politics, we call those earmarks. When a piece of legislation comes over, they want to grab a little chunk of it, so what they do is they just throw out an earmark for their fellow congressmen to vote on. Top members of Congress are requesting earmarks to send federal taxpayer dollars, listen to this, to regional airports in their respective districts that are used for private jet traffic. The requests have been made under that earmarking process, which funnels money to name specific projects and districts, as opposed to general allocations for which projects must compete for funding. You know, it's kind of like, just give me a blank check. We'll call it an earmark. It would see tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars funneled to private airports and members' home districts. That aids private jet traffic some request explicitly citing such traffic as the reason. Listen to who is throwing this out there. Republican Tom Cole of Oklahoma. He chairs the very powerful House Rules Committee. He's asked for, in earmarks, $36 million to fund upgrades to the Max Westheimer Airport. That's 20 miles south of Oklahoma City. Norman, Oklahoma. University of Oklahoma right there the upgrades are going to be used to expand the airport's runway as well as add hangars to accommodate larger private jets would have been used they have been used at the airport more frequently of late. oh by the way Nancy Pelosi asked for ten million dollars in earmarks to bankroll Green Conservancy and upgrade, the Martin Luther King Fountain in an area of San Francisco. Back to the airport. So over the last couple of years, that airport we talked about just south of Oklahoma City has started seeing more Gulfstream 5 activity, G5s. What kind of jet is that, Dan? It's an $85 million jet. The airport's unable to handle that size of aircraft regularly. That's according to the congressman, and that's the reason he's making his request. The Gulfstream 5, a luxury private jet primarily used by corporate and wealthy travelers, is in the $80 million range, brand new. An annual operating cost, by the way, $1.8 million to $3 million, depending on how many hours you fly. Can you believe this? His proposal also stated that expanding the runway would be a business opportunity for the airport. It's owned by the University of Oklahoma. And by the way, the University of Oklahoma has a $1.2 billion endowment. What does that mean? They're sitting on that much money. $1.2 billion. So the airport's already there. Taxpayers paid for the airport. It is a small airport. It's a private airport. Private, meaning that's where private jets principally go. He's in Oklahoma. (laughs) He's an Oklahoma rep. He's going to take care of Oklahoma. Who sent him to Congress? Oklahomans. People uh, may live outside of Oklahoma that went to the University of Oklahoma, and they want to be able to fly their corporate jets in for the games. But there's no room, so let's get the taxpayers to pay for the expansion. You can't make this up. In response to a request for comment, a spokesperson for Congressman Cole stated that a majority of the airplanes based at the airport, 80% of them, are single-engine aircraft used for flight training for aviation students at Oklahoma University to address the current and growing pilot shortage. The airport is much more than a private jet airport. Oh, by the way, Cole's not the only House Republican who has asked for money for private jet airports. John Joyce, Republican from Pennsylvania, requested $4.5 to construct aircraft hangars at the Johnstown Cambria Airport, 70 miles east of Pittsburgh. The airport services private jet traffic, according to AirNav.com, a public database of airport operations. So guess what's close to that? University of Pennsylvania. Penn State. Penn State. Joyce said this will provide the airport with revenue through leasing the individual hangars to aircraft owners. He explained that the money... ...obtained could be used by the airport to make upgrades for safety. In response for a request for comment, a spokesperson for the congressman... ...stated that Johnstown-Cambria Airport is public and not private. Joyce and Cole are joined in their request by Republican Rep. Trent Kelly of Mississippi. He's earmarked $4.9 million for Olive Branch Airport, just south of Memphis an airport that receives private jet traffic. The funds would be used to lay asphalt on the airport's tarmac. Many of our Fortune 100 and 500 companies depend on the safety, capacity, and security of corporate air travel the airport affords the business community. That's from a business executive in a letter of support. Kelly uploaded it, by the way, onto his website. Other letters... They say the airport's a center for Civil Air Patrol and operates programs like Pilots for Paws to transport pets to prospective owners across the U.S. So how many earmarks are they? You just heard about three. 5,067 earmark requests submitted this year to the Appropriations Committee by members of Congress for fiscal year 2024. Their use in Congress has been very controversial. It was actually banned for 10 years, from 2011 to 2021, when they were reintroduced by House Democrats, despite staunch opposition from conservatives who argue that they enable pork barrel spending. Go figure. Go figure. It's just another way to just get us, you and I, to pay these things. Oh, now, that, you know, we've got to do all this stuff. We've got to make these air forts available. We've got students that are in air, aviation. We need pilots. <laughs> when the number one thing is, hey, I was able to put together a little windfall for me, and I've got a... million jet and I want to be comfortable going back to my university's football games so I want the taxpayers to make that airport just nice enough for me
6: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness Please forgive our immaturity our outbursts of tacky compliments Forgive our browser history Forgive Our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar
8: that doesn't exist. And please, Forgive us, after the incident. or never what Was later. And and any at this time? Schneider,
6: Stop. the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process.
3: Hey, what do you want to da-da-da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da-da-da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. Uh, all the dolls feel like the same da these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh, no. I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh, No.
0: No. These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die.
3: Quote to die on Progressive.com.
0: Progressive Casualty insurance company and affiliates.
3: So you guys grew up together?
6: Yes, yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I, I'm not looking at it. We're not good uh, enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, was, I don't know. What do you, that's
0: big that's that's supermodels? Who's awesome. us? Oh, awesome. Supermodels! What do you model, Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, right. eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, loses.
8: Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The Truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org.
1: We've got some news about all of this Chinese purchase of American property, a lot of it across the nation where the Chinese are just getting it all put together in a big pile. We don't know how much of that has happened, but we know a lot of it has happened. Much of it adjacent to some of our most critical military installations. Governor of Montana has decided to step in. And I want to get to that issue going on with that man that was killed on the subway in New York. But I want to get you information about what's going on there. The governor, Governor Giantfort, he decided yesterday to ban the sale of any agricultural land, critical infrastructure to foreign adversaries. He's not going to sell it. Nobody can sell it or lease it. He's going to ban the sell or lease critical infrastructure, too, or homes around military assets to foreign adversaries in Montana. giant Fort will sign Senate Bill 20, excuse me, 203, and the ban will go into effect October 1st. Lawmakers across the U.S. have Sounded the alarm on this issue. It may be too late. Maybe not. We got to get something done as long as we can. Chinese real estate buyers started purchasing land near U.S. military bases. They also became the biggest foreign land buyers in the U.S. after they bought around $6.1 billion in real estate in 2021 alone. According to information from the Department of Agriculture, Chinese ownership of farmland here increased more than 20 fold in 10 years, from 81 million in 2010 to 1.8 billion in 2020. Montana is not going to stand idly by as our foreign adversaries buy up our farmland, harvest private data and spy on Americans, Montana's government said, governor said. Today we're doing what the Biden administration won't do to defend our economic security, food security, and national security assets. I don't care who you are. If you're an American, this should trouble you. We live in our studio, where I'm broadcasting from, is just miles away from the chief headquarters of, of the nation's B-52 bombers. These bombers are our most important bombing apparatus and they've been in place since late in World War II. They're old, but they're deadly. If some foreign government was going to come to the United States surreptitiously, behind the scenes, quietly, middle of the night, whatever, and they want to, They want to do something bad, maybe try to take us over. There's about 10 key spots that they would hit. Barksdale Air Force Base is one of those. There are a lot of nukes that are underground all around Barksdale Air Force Base. If somebody told me that the Chinese had signed a contract for a big piece of land over somewhere around Barksdale Air Force Base... If somebody even let that out of the hat here in Shreveport, Bozier, people would go nuts for that very reason. The fact that this president has allowed this to go on without even mentioning it, without even talking about it, apparently, or if he talks about it, he just poopas its importance, but hasn't done anything. That's the only thing that's important. Doesn't matter what you talk about something, how long you do, what you say. If it's a problem and you don't address the problem, that is stupid. Not saying the president's stupid, not doing something to stop this, that's stupid. Remember, Joe Biden's the guy that let this spy balloon go across, not just cross our nation, but circle overhead for days above some of our most critical military installations, and obviously doing video that was going back to China. He didn't do anything for 10 days. And then, kind of as a show of, oh, we're not going to let that happen, they spent a a $50 million missile, had to shoot two of them to knock it down and destroy it. But it was too late. There's probably something up with President Biden in China. We may never know for sure. But I think everybody's pretty much keyed in that there is something going on there. Sadly, we had a homeless man very, very publicly died on the subways in New York. And he was blustery. He was threatening a lot of people. And a Marine actually knocked him down and tried to keep him still or whatever. And in that tussle, the man lost his life. That incident it's an African-American man, that's thrown New York into a tizzy like they needed something else. Crime up there is just through the roof. I mentioned at the top of the show, you can't be comfortable walking in any of our big cities, New York being one of those. Here are the details, the total picture about what's going on in the aftermath of this horrible death.
3: Justice! Why do we want it? Now! What do we want Justice!
8: Why do we want it? Now! Activists and far-left lawmakers outraged over the death of a homeless man on the New York City subway. Graphic video showing a U.S. Marine putting 30-year-old Jordan Neely in a chokehold after witnesses say that Neely was out of control, throwing garbage and threatening other riders. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is now investigating what happened after the city's medical examiner ruled the death as a homicide. Police confirming that the homeless man had more than 40 prior arrests, and reportedly had an active warrant out for felony assault. The Marine taken into custody after the incident, but was later let go without any charges at this time. Squad lawmakers lashing out against the Marine. AOC calling him a murderer. Jamal Bowman describing it as a public execution. And Ayanna Presley says the death was a lynching. But Mayor Eric Adams thinks these comments are out of line.
1: I don't think that's very responsible at the time where we're still investigating the situation. Let's let the DA uh, conduct his investigation with the law enforcement officials uh, to really interfere with that is not the right thing to do. And I'm going to be responsible and allow them to do their job and allow them to determine exactly what happened here. So we cannot just blankly blankly say what a passenger should or should not do in a situation like that. We should allow the investigation to take its course.
8: Subway crime is a big problem for New York City. So far this year, there have been 139 robberies, 131 felony assaults, one rape and one murder. And we've shown you countless videos of attacks on commuters, critics blasting AOC for not even commenting on those crimes, and pointing out how the Congresswoman dismissed the idea of adding more cops to the subway. Subway crime is up, but let's also note that subway crime
5: is up after they committed so many more officers to the subway system. So that also tells us from a policy perspective, adding more cops to the subway isn't solving
8: this problem. Mm-hmm. So there are other things that can solve this problem. Uh, she's not taking the subway. You don't take the subway to the Met Gala. <laughs> and she, I, we, we asked the brain room today, has she commented at all on any of the other crimes? You Remember, for example, all the women who have been attacked? Turns out, answer is no.
7: No, if there's a race factor, that's when she pipes up. I have a lot of respect for Eric Adams Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. listening to that statement. A lot of respect. You don't know what someone's capable of. And when you're trapped in a box throttling through Manhattan underground, and this is what this guy was screaming, according to witnesses. I want food. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm ready to go back to jail. I'll hurt anybody on this train. I don't care if I get a big life sentence. I'm ready to die. You're about this close to someone like that. And he's crazy, He's mentally ill, he's an ex-con. If you're a Marine, you're trained differently. You're not a regular citizen. You have training and that training kicks into gear. And he it looked like was trying to engage this man at first at first, verbally, and then it got physical and he was trying to restrain him. It was an accident. He was not trying to kill this person. He was trying to restrain them, subdue him, and other men joined in him in restraining this guy. It looks like what happened was an absolute tragedy. The guy obviously doesn't deserve to die like that. And we wish it didn't have to be a Marine stepping up. We wish a police officer had been there. AOC famously said she didn't want any police in the subway. If a policeman had been in that subway car, this would not have happened. I blame this guy's father, who's not in the picture. The mother is passed away. The city says they care so much about mental health, and they let mentally ill people wander the streets threatening people. He's been arrested 40 times and had a warrant out. How many judges let this guy skate? So I wish AOC would ride the subway once. Or twice, just to get a vibe, because I'm hearing from a lot of women today, not women from all over the country, specifically women that take the subway in New York City. And they think about this a little differently than other people. And they know what it's like. And they're not saying, I'm glad this guy died. They said, finally,
8: a man stepped up in the subway and protected us. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, a lot of people, Greg, that take the subway are ones that you know you you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're coming, There's a way to get into the city, and it's the most efficient way or the most the least expensive way to be able to get into the city for jobs that, AOC would never do.
5: Yeah. Anybody who's I, I I rode the subway for years until it became unsafe. I've been in that situation, and and what everybody does is essentially try to mind their own business or get off the train. And then I luckily I've never been in a situation where it gets that that violent. But this feels like a Bernie gets moment where everybody goes, okay, we're hitting the bottom here. This is bad, permission to rant. Sure. Anyone accusing anyone else of supporting that guy of of non-compassion can go screw themselves, right? We've been talking about what's going on in the subways. We've been talking about what's been going on the streets. Uh, The mentally ill being left to suffer on the street, the criminally deranged left on the street to attack and push women in front of trains and beat people over the head with pieces of wood. We have been talking about the danger to themselves and the dangers to others for years and i have nothing but contempt for the outraged leftist who caused this who ignored this they are like the person on the subway who just gets on their phone and it's something like i wonder i wonder would would aoc or anybody on the squad or what's his name chris hayes anybody like that would they actually step in right i have to wonder would they actually you know would they see somebody being menaced by a violent felon would they actually try and intervene or would they decide not to share the risk and just step away because metaphorically that's what they've been doing for the last five years so they're disgusting uh if anybody says this is like george floyd no it's because of george floyd because since george floyd we've had the resulting chaos of the funding the emasculation of the police uh egged on by the squad, by the media, by different media outlets, except CNN. They, that created the pathway and a void where you saw fewer police and, you ha- and who had to fill the void. And we predicted this. Citizens were going to we fill did. the void. We were going to talk. We didn't use the V word because everybody hated that word. But what was going to happen was there was going to be a moment where somebody has to make a choice. So about those bystanders, I think there were three guys. And I don't think they were all white. Right? I don't know. They had to make a decision on their own. There was no police. They were adult men. It was on them a chance to act, and, it was, and they chose to act. And I support the fact that they thought people were in trouble. Uh, the left has emasculated law enforcement. These are the only people you can rely on. The message is, if you can't rely on them, get, you can't even take the subway anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a textbook person that would have been helped by the $800 million that somehow yeah. disappeared, disappeared, right? There there was money in this city for the homeless. What did the de Blasio's do with it? This guy had 40 arrests, violence. He was a danger to others. And when he's a danger to others, he becomes a danger to himself.
1: That is a really horrible situation. I guess, you know, anything that results in somebody losing their life is horrible. But think about that 24-year-old Marine. Think about having to make a decision when this guy's on a subway car, people all over it, and this guy gets in there and he says what he said, I'm not afraid to die, I want food, yada, 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 and I'm not afraid to die, I'm not afraid to go back to prison, and he threatens, and then we find out he had a laundry list of previous arrests for stuff like we're talking about. In fact, we found out that one of those Uh, arrest was for beating a 67-year-old woman on a subway. This guy, they want him tarred and feathered. They want him prosecuted for murder for the death of that man. By the way, that chokehold that he put on him to subdue him, when the man, when the cops got there, the EMS people got there, the guy was still alive. He was breathing. He died in the hospital later. We don't hear about that. All we hear is that that Marine, that white Marine, murdered that African-American homeless man. Nobody wins in this. The man lost his life. The Marine's life will never be the same. If and when his name gets out to the public, there will be no peaceful place for him to go in the United States because the left, they turn everything into an ism racism, all of those, and the phobia, xenophobia. They come up with all these names, they labeled you, and you're just labeled for life, unless they decide they're going to take your label away. You know, we're entering an election cycle in the United States. It seems like every time the calendar turns over, we're in an election cycle. There's a really contentious governor's race that's coming up, and it's now gone national. As Senator Ted Cruz, now he's a Texan. He represents the people of Texas. This gubernatorial race is happening in Kentucky, and Cruz is backing the former U.N. ambassador Kelly Craft for the gig. Endorsements are starting to pile up in this year's most contentious and the highly anticipated off year election race, as a bunch of well known Republicans are vying to unseat Democrat Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. The latest high profile endorsement comes as decision day for Kentucky GOP people on who they want to face off against. One of the nation's last remaining red state Democrat governors is less than two weeks away. Yesterday, Senator Ted Cruz, he announced he's going to support former U.N. Ambassador Kelly Kraft over the Attorney General of Kentucky, who's a Republican that's running, Daniel Cameron. Cameron has the support of former President Trump and Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles. The three are widely considered the front runners. There's a crowded field of twelve Republican candidates. Kelly Kraft is the candidate that Kentuckians need as their governor to usher in a new generation of leadership. That's from Ted Cruz. I've seen firsthand how hard she has worked to stand up to the Chinese Communist Party and negotiate the largest trade deal in our history. Cruz said, I also know how passionate she is about ensuring that every Kentuckian can reach their full potential and achieve the American dream. I'm honored to endorse her for governor of Kentucky. I'm excited to stump for her in the bluegrass state to get out the vote. That's Senator Cruz talking. So alongside the endorsement, Kraft announced Cruz would be joining her for a string of get out the vote rallies in Louisville and Richmond on May 13th just days ahead of the May 16th primary. She said, I'm looking forward to having my friend, Senator Cruz, with me on the campaign trail as we enter the final days of the primary. Over the past 10 months, she said, I've been inspired by the thousands of Kentuckians I've met who all want the same thing. Better future for our children and grandchildren. Senator Cruz has the same vision for Texas. I'm grateful to have his support. I know it's a gubernatorial race. We don't get into that as a nation. We get into that individually. But you know what? It's becoming more and more important. Who runs these states? Because these governors are in positions of power on many very controversial issues. The Dobbs the Dobbs decision, it pushed abortion back to the states, state by state, rather than it being a federal situation. There are a lot of Democrat governors out there. There aren't a lot. There aren't as many Democrat governors as there are Republicans, but governors are the ones that lead and must sign any bill out there that goes one way or the other, pro-life or pro-choice we need some more conservative governors in office. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I've got a story to tell you that may be the most, it probably is the most important thing for parents and for the next generation of American children. This is probably the most important thing that has begun to happen across the nation to public education. I'm gonna wait till after this break to do that. But buckle up. This is something really important that you need to listen to closely. It's up next. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help.
0: Alexa, what time is it?
4: What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a
0: busted machine again.
4: That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather.
8: Allegra,
0: what is the weather outside?
8: It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is
2: 74 degrees and sunny. I
4: don't know about that. <laughs> the latest in sports.
2: Clarissa,
0: how many did old satchel strike out last night?
8: Satchel Page died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Page is dead. In what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page
0: uh, I don't know about that.
4: Even local news and pop culture. Anita. What them boys up
8: to across the street?
3: They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I
8: don't know about
4: that. <laughs> Pair it to smart devices like your thermostat.
0: Alessandra,
2: turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alessandra?
4: The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young.
7: Angela, play black jazz. Playing uh,
3: jazz.
4: <laughs> it also has a quick scan feature to help them find things.
3: Emilia, where did I put the phone? <sighs> The phone is in your right hand,
4: and it has an uh huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he
2: said I only gave him one dollar. Uh huh. I said I know I gave you a five. Uh huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh huh.
4: So I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now.
1: If you missed the top of the show, I told you next week, TNN Live is going on the road. We'll be at an unknown destination. I'll tell you what it is before the end of the show today. But next week, our live show will begin one hour later than normal. Instead of 9 to 11 a.m. Central, it will be 10 till 12 noon Central. And we will publish that fact on all of the stories we do through the weekend at truthnewsnet.org. But don't miss the first hour of the show. Again, Monday through Friday next week, TNN Live will air from 10 till 12 a.m. instead of 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Before the end of the show today, I'll tell you where where we're going to be broadcasting from. A very important story illustrates a problem that there are now good solutions for in our public education system. Private schools have always worked and been doing a a great job education across the board. Pretty dramatic examples between public education and private education the last few years indicate Kids are getting a better education. When it comes to education things, I mean, the really important things, they're getting better educated in private schools than they are in public schools. But here's a problem. Every state spends a fortune of public dollars on public schools. Where does those dollars come from? They come from taxpayers who are paying exorbitant taxes for public education so if you don't feel like your kids getting a good public education, and that's happening more and more every day, you want to put your your kid in the best school that's out there to get them the best education that's out there, and you're paying out the wazoo for your kids to get educated. Why can't you send them to the school that you want them to go to? It's money. Republican Governor Henry McMaster down in South Carolina has signed school choice legislation into law yesterday that provides private and religious school students with taxpayer funds. Here's how it works. The bill is S-39. Under that bill, every student enrolled in a private or religious school will be eligible to receive $6,000 $6,000 to spend on education related costs. The bill was signed into law by McMasters yesterday. It passed the state Senate in February and the state house approved the bill in April 79 to 35. Through the law there, by 2026, 15,000 students are expected to be utilizing the education vouchers, costing the state about $90 million. In the 2026 to 2027 school year, the program would expand beyond students outside the public school system, making any family with an annual income over $100,000 eligible for vouchers. For nearly a decade, grassroots South Carolinians have led the effort to get families access to the alternative academic resources that best fit our students' needs, That's Jessica Anderson, Executive Director of Heritage Action, which is an organization that's focused on education grassroots efforts. Governor McMaster's signing of S-39 into law scored a historic victory for thousands of students and families across the Palmetto State who now have access to education savings accounts that give them the ability to select from a variety of education options. South Carolina has bolstered the nationwide momentum to expand education, freedom for all. Democrat state senator there. It's kind of interesting what he said. I'm not against any South Carolinian that's trying to better themselves and trying to make a provision for their families. That's Democrat state senator Ronnie Saab. I think the fundamental question is not that. I would submit that the fundamental question is whether or not we use public funds to support private schools. Across the country, lawmakers in most states now are pushing to enact school choice legislation. In March, Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a piece of legislation into law that gives the state a universal school choice program. Republican Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds signed school choice legislation into law in January, providing private school students with taxpayer funds. We got these ideas from other states that tried things. Some worked, some didn't. This is from South Carolina Governor McMaster. But this bill, this new law, it works. It works extremely well for the people of South Carolina. Among the many benefits are not just preparing our people to live happy, strong, healthy, meaningful lives. The impact on our economic growth is going to be enormous because we must have economic growth, educational strength and a strong environment in order to prosper. This goes right to the heart of that educational strength. Here in our state of Louisiana, our former governor put a voucher program in place. Democrats in the state, they fought it tooth and nail. You can imagine why. The public teacher school unions went crazy. They were donating millions of dollars to Democrat lawmakers that would fight that. Why is that? They don't want parents to be able to aim their kids at the schools that the parents think are the best places for their kids to get an education. And on the flip side of it, on the flip side of it, these parents are paying taxes that is being used to educate their kids but the state's public school systems are not educating the kids like the parents think they should, why should any parent pay taxes and their kids not be able to access the best education possible in that state, private or public? And, of course, the number one thing is the public school systems will fall apart if the money leaves. Well, my question is why would the school system fall apart? Why would the money leave? Parents are going to want their kids to go to the very best school they possibly can. And so they're going to use that money to send them there. If the public school system and the schools that are out there that are already being funded by federal tax dollars and state tax dollars, if those schools are better than the other ones, everybody's going to want to go to those schools. So it won't hurt public school system. Why would parents want to leave? That's a question nobody's answering. They wouldn't want to leave if their kids were getting the best possible education. That, my friends, is a really big deal. I would love to see it in all 50 states. This is a capitalistic system economically. We're a capitalist nation. How does capitalism work? The best product, the best service, creates the most desire for any product of any kind. And then it becomes supply and demand. The best stuff is wanted by more people. So more of the best stuff has got to be produced. That makes the demand for the best stuff to go up. And formally, the stuff that was being used previously, the demand for that goes away. What happens? Whatever that is, whoever creates that, they go away. The bottom line is not who is doing something or who's not going to be able to do it professionally because the product that they are producing is no longer wanted. All that matters is the kids are getting the best possible public education, private education that they and their parents think is best for them, and those parents are getting to use their tax dollars for that. That's the only part of this that makes sense and makes any difference. The rest of it is bureaucracy, politicization, and labor unions. Labor unions. My friends, Donald Trump's back in the news. Obviously, he's running for president in 2024. But listen to this. Tucker Carlson, formerly Fox News is speaking with Trump about moderating the Republican candidate debates or forum, whatever you want to call it. He's shown interest, Tucker has, in moderating Republican candidate forums and has reportedly discussed that possibility with Donald Trump. The former president and Republican primary frontrunner right now recently floated the idea of skipping the debates the debates that were going to be moderated by Fox News after the hostile network failed to seek his advice on doing it. According to the Washington Post, Tucker has spoken with Trump about displacing Fox News as the hosting moderator to take a jab at his former employer. Carlson's staff have discussed the possibility of moderating a candidate forum outside of the traditional protocols around the GOP primary debate system. These people said the setup, as well as Carlson's availability to take on that kind of role, given the non-compete constraints of his contract with Fox, they're still unclear. But Tucker has personally expressed his enthusiasm about it, according to people familiar with his comments. At least one major candidate, Trump, has told Carlson he's interested The former Fox host interest in a debate is said to stem in part from its potential to loosen the Republican National Committee's grip on the process, as well as to challenge the role traditionally played by the major television networks. I don't know about you, but when I watch these debates, and they're done by networks like ABC, CBS, or NBC, it just seems like all of the questions Even the way the questions are presented by the moderators are skewed automatically far left. He could go straight to the candidate, stream it live, invite the networks, but maintain control over the process, said one person that's involved in this hypothetical that just might happen. Tucker's interest in hosting these forums coincide with reports that he's taking calls from networks that are wanting to hire him. Those networks include Trinity Broadcast Network, One America News Network, and Newsmask. A stronger pitch has come from Newsmax, the conservative media company that's seen a primetime rating surge the past week. At the same time, Fox is losing viewers from Carlson's old time slot. Newsmax CEO Christopher Reddy told the paper... He's open to rebranding Newsmax under Tucker's name, an idea that has reportedly piqued Carlson's interest. It wouldn't mind. But Tucker's contract status remains an issue with Fox, which could thwart any immediate professional moves for one of the most popular TV hosts of all time. As of right now, the plan is the same. Pay out Carlson's contract. Keep him on the sidelines through the elections. I know they have him under contract through the end of 2024. I know that. But keeping him off the air to keep his influence, his information, the stuff that he brings out that many on the left and many on the right don't like but are factual, that would be a loss. I think it would be an irreparable loss to the American people. They knew they would take a beating for this one, talking about Fox News, but everyone, and I mean everyone, is pretty rattled. They weren't expecting the blowback to be this bad from the American people. Hate to say it, but it's clear that Rupert Murdoch has lost a step or two. And reportedly he and his two sons on the board of Fox are the ones that decided to send Tucker to the curb. So you got Donald Trump back out there now. And he's considering supporting Tucker Carlson moderating debates, not part of the ones that Fox News has the rights to and are scheduled to present, the Republican Forum, probably coming up in the spring of next year. Less than a year away, but it's going to be here before we know it. Well, Trump, Trump is very concerned about the ending of Title 42. You'll remember he, under his watches when it was created by the CDC, and that immediately stemmed the flow of the massive numbers of these republic uh, these uh, illegals immigrants that are flooding across the nation title 42 it gives the government authority to turn those immigrants around and send them back to where they came from because of their unknown medical status in the middle of our covid pandemic we knew there had to be a bunch of people that had covid if not another disease or two coming across and once they get across I mean, it's almost impossible if you process them. They go to a health care center, do all that kind of stuff. The evil's already been done. Title 42 ends next Thursday. And Trump yesterday put out a um, an interview. Actually, it's a statement, a video and audio statement about his sense of what this is going to do.
6: Under my leadership, we had the most secure border in U.S. history by far. We replaced catch and release with detain and deport. One of my most successful policies was Title 42, which allowed for instant expulsion of any illegal alien who crossed our borders. Anybody, if they were bad, we got them out. We got them out fast. Those who trespassed into our country could be immediately sent back to the place from which they came. Every would-be illegal border crosser knew that with Donald Trump in the White House, Our border was closed, it was absolutely closed, and they had no chance of getting in, and therefore they didn't come. When Joe Biden came into office, he terminated every successful border policy that was put into place, including remain in Mexico, one of the best of them all, deliberately throwing open the borders and instituting catch and release and resettling untold millions and millions of illegal aliens into the United States. They're now your neighbors, congratulations. Now Joe Biden is preparing to remove the last remnants of my Title 42 policy just a few weeks from now, wiping out the few remaining shreds of our southern border. Hundreds of thousands of people will pour in that day, and the judge already said that's what's going to happen. This will mean complete and total mayhem and utter lawlessness and unlimited numbers of fraudulent asylum seekers flood into the United States, unchecked. They are unchecked. Nobody has any idea where they come from. They don't know if they're healthy, if they're sick, if they're insane, or if they're coming from prisons. Already, tens of thousands of illegal aliens have massed on the Mexican side of the border. They're getting ready to storm across the moment Title 42, which is so important, is officially gone. Can you believe they're getting rid of it? And when that happens, countless more will charge in from all over the world. They're coming from all over the world. And some of the states like California are saying, come in and we give you free healthcare, free education. People hear that from other countries. They say, well, that sounds good to me. And they're making a mass charge toward our border. It's absolute lunacy. It will be a mass resettlement of millions and millions of illegal aliens into your communities, and the invasion will be aided, abetted, and facilitated by the Biden administration's every step of the way. Every path they take will be made easier by Biden. Congress should move immediately to choke off and terminate all funding for catch and release. We should ban Joe Biden and the communists and the administration from using a single federal taxpayer dollar to set loose illegal aliens into the United States. Now is the time we have to fight to make sure our country survives because our country cannot take two more years of this invasion. And when I take the oath of office on January 20th, 2025, we will immediately begin the process of fully securing the border And removing the illegal aliens Joe Biden is unlawfully allowed to break into our country. Thank you very much.
1: The biggest thing, in my opinion, we just heard from the former president is he will see to it that illegals are prosecuted and they're going to be treated according to federal immigration laws. Everybody that would hear that on the left, they would go nuts simply because, look, he has no heart. We can't do that to these people. All they're doing is trying to come make a better life for themselves and their family members in the United States. We owe it to them to give them that shot. No, we don't. We owe it to them to get the opportunity to come to this nation but come here legally. And there are numerous ways to come to the United States legally. Permanently, if you want to live here, you want to become a citizen, if you want to come work here or come go to school here, you can do it legally, but continually allowing millions of illegals to come to our nation with no justification no legal right to do so. It flies in the face of the fiber of what this nation is all about. Now, surely when what you just heard from Donald Trump, when he gets out on the street, everybody's going to say, look, he has no heart. That's exactly what they did when he was president. He was putting kids in cages. And then we find out those cages were built under Barack Obama and Joe Biden. They weren't cages. They were fenced enclosure to keep kids away from illegals, kids that weren't there with their parents or family members, but they wanted to keep those kids safe. And it happened in the obama Biden administration. Of course, Donald Trump became president. Everything that they could blame Trump for, he got blamed for. That's just one of those things. But we've got to go back to the rule of law. The rule of law says... You function in the United States, top to bottom, by enforcing the laws of the land, federal, state, and local. That's number one. You've got to do that first. And if those don't work, or if they're too wicked, they're too hard, they're too stringent, guess what? You have a process in place. Change the laws. Don't ignore the laws. Nobody has permission to do that. In fact, in the federal statutes regarding illegal immigration, not only are the illegal immigrants, are there specific penalties for them coming to the nation? For anybody who assists them to be here illegally is breaking the law as well. We don't have to manufacture a purpose or a reason for taking these kinds of actions against illegal actions. It's in the law. We simply need for those who are governing us to do what they first swore an oath to do. Secondly, follow through and hold people accountable when they break the law. And they just don't do it. We have another insane thing that's come to light, and it's just getting brighter and brighter, and it's making people SMH over and over again shake my head. We can't believe it's happening. You remember that 51 intelligence agency head letter that came out right before a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in the 20... Twenty election process. You remember that? Those 51 signed a letter that said they knew factually that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. You remember that? Well, guess what? We're finding out every day. More and more of those people had no idea what it was, and some did it without even knowing or caring to find out about facts there. 51 people, their names went on this letter. Just the News Just the News that's John Solomon's news site that he started several years ago. They found an email that's sent by former CIA Deputy Director Morrell back in October of 2022 to fellow former Obama era CIA Director John Brennan. In that email Morell asked Brennan to sign that letter. But in the email, Morrell also admitted that he'd written it so that then-Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden would have a talking point that he could use in case then-incumbent incumbent President Trump talked about Hunter Biden's laptop during a upcoming presidential debate that was days later. Here's what the email said. Again, this is Morell. He's reaching out to John Brennan. Morell asked, can I add your name to this list? We'll be adding Leon, Sue Gordon, Jay Johnson, Georgia, Lisa Monaco, and Mike Rogers today. And working on adding Dan Coates, Mike Rogers, and Tom Bosert, and lots of other intelligence community career folk. That's what the email said. So just the news, they started investigating journalist John Solemn And they report this stunning email exchange provides damning new proof supporting House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan's explosive revelation last week that the now infamous intelligence letter, which was portrayed by news media, fact-checker, and big tech as an independent and organic initiative by security experts, was in fact a political effort by U.S. spies instigated and assisted by Biden's campaign in an effort to influence the 2020 election. But immediately after Jordan made the accusation, the legacy media, who often function as little more than propagandists for the Democrat Party, they rushed to debunk it. The backlash is now growing. This wasn't a talking point to toss back at Trump. It was a premeditated and admitted lie to the American people designed specifically to deceive and hide the facts. And for what? To help elect a politician? What a steep and sad cost to the soul for such a meager goal. That was stated by retired FBI intelligence chief Kevin Brock former Assistant Secretary of State Robert Charles, Bobby Charles, a former naval intelligence officer. He said this bombshell revelation could further exacerbate the American people's growing distrust of our intelligence community. He said the notion that you would just somehow overnight gather 51 intelligence officers to attest to something that was uncorroborated, uninvestigated, and turns out to be utterly false, leads you to this question. Why and how did those intelligence officers, most of, by the way, who are all Democrats, why did they step up and do that? And what these emails seem to be showing is that it was a coordinated effort to damage the GOP and to defend and support the Democrat. And that's a scourge on those particular individuals' reputations. It's also a scourge on the campaign of Joe Biden. Former FBI agent and whistleblower Kyle Serafin, he's accused intelligence officials like Morella of being brazen in their actions precisely because there are never any consequences when Democrats do stuff like this. I think it's arrogance, he said, and I think it's the arrogance that we've seen from the people who are in the upper reaches of whether the FBI and any other part of the intelligence community. They don't see anyone failing on this stuff, falling on this stuff. Nobody goes down. You know, they're able to retire. They're able to walk away from it without any shame. They go get high-paid corporate jobs when it's all over. But people in the populace, are calling for heads to roll. They are all treasonous traitors. Should be arrested immediately. No better than a common thug. That's from Houston Erskine. C.A. Malari said, OMG, this is clear election interference. All security clearances must be immediately pulled and these people should be arrested. Kevin Robert tweeted, Every one of those intelligence officials should be in prison for election interference and should have their security clearances permanently revoked. America First MAGA deplorable E. Young. Every single one of those intel officials, generals, etc., who lies and signed this letter to influence the 2020 election should be tried for sedition and treason. Every one of them. And in my opinion, they should all be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. You know, we've talked extensively through the years about the lack of integrity in the likes of John Brennan, former CIA director. He's one of the worst. He lied under oath to Congress, was never held accountable for doing that. And then the other ones, all of them who signed those letters, most of them Democrats, it was all about politics. It had nothing to do with intelligence. And subsequently, it had nothing to do with the truth. And here we are, (laughs) two and a half years later, here we are and all of these facts are coming out and many of us, we knew when it happened and it came out, we even went on record saying it can't be factual. 51 people didn't get in the inside of whether or not that laptop that had just showed up in the public purview, but we find out later the FBI's had it since 2019. You can't make this stuff up. You just can't make it up. This is not supposed to be the way things like this happen in the United States of America. And it's sad that it is, we say that every time, but let me tell you what's more important. What the heck is going to happen? What is going to happen? Who's going to take control of this and make sure that the people that perpetrated this are held responsible? You think the Attorney General will do it, Mayor Garland? Absolutely not. You think Joe Biden will do it? No. He was the recipient Of the information that he on the stage threw out there to deflect Trump talking about Hunter's laptop and the influence that came and was proven to have come to Joe Biden's benefit dollars, lots of dollars. No accountability for that. None whatsoever. If you or I did anything like that, our families would be coming to see us once a month in a jail cell. If there's no accountability, there's no legal process. There's no justice. No accountability always favors one side. Lots of people get off from doing bad things when there's no accountability, and it looks like that's exactly what we have going
5: on here. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen.
4: Computer, execute 12.4p operation.
0: Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Oh. I don't feel so good.
4: What? What is it, computer?
7: Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little
5: clammy. I should lie down or s- something.
4: A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO.
5: Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake.
4: GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
2: Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is
7: this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes,
2: sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it.
7: Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead
3: when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again.
7: Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn?
0: You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com.
7: SmartShip.com?
0: Right. Type in your zip code, and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute.
7: Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever
0: have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done...
1: We're all going through tax season right now. Most of us have filed, many people file for extensions, but still going through it. It happens every year. That big, big evil thing, that black cloud hangs over our heads. Ooh. IRS, taxes, 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 and the fear that's been instilled through the years from the power that's exercised by the IRS. Much of it is good, but a lot of it. Is not. What's really scary is there's a bunch of stuff going on in the IRS. We've got a trove of new IRS agents that are being hired, thousands of them, 80,000. And we're told these are not going to be, you know, people that are uh, auditing, doing audits for blue collar and white collar Americans. They're going to be going after those. Evil billionaires making sure they pay their fair share of taxes. Now, have you checked to see how many billionaires there are in the United States? Let's do it together. Billionaires in the United States. How many are there? Let's see what comes up. 724. 724 billionaires in the United States. And we have 82,000 IRS agents. You do the math. If you never get scared about anything, you need to be scared about this. Let me just throw another one out there. I'm going to let Stuart Varney do that. The IRS has come up with a new idea for you about your tax returns.
5: The IRS wants to develop its own electronic tax filing system. Ouch. (laughs) The progressives love this one. Uh, Jerry Willis with us. What are the Republicans saying about it?
8: They hate it. Uh, You know, this
7: comes from your favorite person in the world, Senator Elizabeth Warren, of course, everybody's favorite tax accountant. Listen to this. A proposal to allow the IRS to offer its own free online tax preparation system, getting serious pushback from Republicans and tax professionals who say, hey, such a program, it could be a conflict of
0: interest. Listen.
7: What they're doing is going to create a huge, huge mess for taxpayers. And the primary reason for that is if the IRS is doing your taxes for you, there's huge conflict of interest problems. They are going to maximize the amount of money that goes not to you, but back to the IRS.
1: Go figure. The IRS are going to find ways to make sure that maximum dollars go to them. Now, let me tell you what that would do. It sounds benign. I mean, you know, we've... I've, I've used online tax preparation services before. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a little bit of a conflict of interest for the IRS to be the ones that's operating and doing that. Why is that? It's because of the very thing I mentioned when we started this conversation about the IRS. They're bullies. They have a massive amount of power over us. Very seldom in an audit do they ever not come up with you owing them more than you've paid. It's very unusual for that to happen. Why is that? Maybe it's because you make mistakes. Maybe it's because you cheat. Those things happen, no question about it. But the big thing is kind of like the FBI. When you are arrested, anybody as an example, January 6th up. All those people that got arrested, hundreds of people got arrested. Many of them have been let go. But almost without fail, everyone that pleads down, cuts a deal with the FBI, there's one provision that is absolutely necessary and you can't compromise it on. At least the FBI won't. You have to plead guilty to what you're charged. Why is that? They want to come out being able to say, Well, they were guilty. They were guilty. Well, they cut a plea deal. Yeah, but they pled guilty as part of the plea deal. The IRS always wins. Why? Because they have the power. Now, it gets worse. It gets worse. According to a watchdog, the IRS, we hear, has spent $10 million on firearms, ammunition, and military-style gear since 2020. The Watchdog Group specified, here are some of the purchases that they've made. $2.3 million on duty ammunition, $1.2 million on ballistic shields, plus another $1.3 million on various other gear for criminal investigation agents. Very non-transparent description, right? What other gear would that be? half a million on Smith & Wesson rifles, another half million on duty tactical lighting, another half million on Beretta 1301 tactical shotguns, 354000 on tactical gear bags, a quarter of a million on ballistic helmets, and a quarter of a million on body armor vest. They also bought Three thousand units of optics compatible tactical holsters for weapons with optical sights and weapons lighting systems. This watchdog group opened the books shows the agency has spent a total of thirty five point two million on guns, ammo, and gear. On august tenth, it was reported that an IRS IRS job listing for criminal investigation special agents stressed that applicants must carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force. On April 27th, the IRS was noted hiring armed agents to fill vacancies in all 50 states. So not only is the IRS wanting to take over even your preparation of your tax returns, They're arming themselves to the teeth. And the salient question is, for what? For what? We don't have a bunch of billionaires that need to be especially audited. Certainly not 80 plus thousand new agents to audit 724 billionaires in total. It takes almost 10,000 10,000 new IRS agents to handle the audits for those evil billionaires. Usually, usually, when it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. Pretty sure in this case it's a duck, right? You remember we had that police shooting with all the sad deaths up in Nashville not long ago. And it was a trans woman That pulled the trigger that killed those six people, three kids and three adults. The Metro Nashville Police Department is suspending the release of the journals and the writing of the shooter at Covenant School in Nashville, their reasoning for pending litigation. The department had previously been hesitant to release that manifesto. I understand that which indicated, by the way, that 28-year-old transgender shooter Audrey Hale had been planning over a period of months to commit mass murder and had been studying other killers. But one Nashville official said that the release of the documents would be considered once the FBI finished its analysis. Nashville police later indicated it was reviewing the journals and writings for release but on Wednesday announced that pending litigation had changed those plans. Covenant Investigation Update. This is a release they put out. Due to pending litigation filed this week, the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department has been advised by counsel to hold in abeyance the release of records related to the shooting, pending orders, or direction of the court. Hale shot and killed six people, including three children, at the Christian School back in March, March 27th. Memphis police directed all media folks to reach out to uh, to the law department for Nashville for further information on that lawsuit. Somebody's filed a lawsuit, and that's why they're not going to release it. It just really, it sets it up for a huge aha when the details of that manifesto by the shooter are finally released. I know you probably are going to be shocked to hear this, but a New Jersey Democrat campaign strategist named James Devine has been charged with election fraud for submitting more than 1,900 fake petitions to help secure a 2021 Democrat gubernatorial primary ballot spot for a candidate, Lisa McCormick. This is according to the New Jersey Attorney General. Devine was McCormick's campaign manager and sent the fake voter certificates to the New Jersey Secretary of State's Division of Elections through email in April of 2021. But the New Jersey Democrat State Committee challenged that attempt days later, arguing that all the farms featured same, the style of signature, and at least one of the named voters was dead. A judge subsequently took McCormick off the primary ballot and divine is now charged with third degree offenses concerning nomination certificates or petitions tampering with public records or information and fourth degree falsifying or tampering with records. Fraudulent acts like this erode faith in our government and the rule of law. And there must be consequences This is according to New Jersey Office of Public Integrity and Accountability Executive Director Thomas Eicher. Devine described himself as a masterful Democrat Party campaign strategist. Ooh, sounds like it is to me. He's an expert at cheating. And oh, by the way, I would say the same thing about it if it was a Republican election official that had done this. Look, the institution of elections... It's got to be taken care of. It is the only thing that linked together with the rule of law, the only thing that sets our nation apart from all the other nations in our hemisphere, at least maybe in the world. (sighs) Wow. Well, let me just tell you, I told you I would tell you before the end of the show, where the show is headed, leaving this weekend, flying from Dallas-Fort Worth to Doha, Qatar, and from Doha, flying to the capital of Zimbabwe, Harare, and I'll be there in meetings all this coming week. We will have TNN Live broadcast every day. We are moving the show, live show, one hour later You'll still be able to get it as a podcast for those of you that wait and download it. I know it's hard to listen to two hours during a work day. It's hard for anybody to do that, but I don't want you to miss the show. And so we're gonna we're gonna go live at 10 a.m. Central, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 30, and Friday of next week. We're gonna go live then, and we'll have some interesting interviews for you. I won't tell you who and what's going on. But it's a very important week of meetings. And certainly, in the middle of all that, we don't want you to miss our show, TNN Live. I'm glad you joined us this week. Glad you're here today. And I want you to have a wonderful weekend. And again, we'll see you Monday from Harare, Zimbabwe, in Africa. Never thought I'd be saying that. (laughs) Have a great weekend.
3: Some people for hey. From every tribe and language, people, every nation. Hey. Where warriors have fallen, there's a resurrection coming. it's your time to rise and shine. Oh, wake up, you sleeping giant. Those of injustice are being healed by the peace. Hey. Oh, yeah. we are bringing us power.